Welcome to the Sermon Amp Podcast. I'm Joseph Wheat, pastor and host, and today we're going to go back to the tomb of Jesus and look at this through the eyes of some amazing women. But stick around to the second segment of the podcast and you'll meet my big time friend and partner in ministry, Brad Mercer. We're going to talk a little bit about Brad's life, but also how God brought Brad and I together and what it's like to do ministry together. It's in Luke 24 that we learn about the women who were heading over to the tomb of Jesus after they had waited a whole day for the Sabbath to be able to take spices and and kind of treat his body. And when they got there, we, we read in Mark's gospel that they were going to ask for the tomb stone to be rolled away. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away. And it was wide open, and they went and looked in, and there was nothing there. And they were perplexed. They were in shock. They were kind of collapsing. Watching him die was enough. Now, to have the body stolen, I mean, they were in shocking disbelief. That's kind of how Easter morning starts, in shocking disbelief. But it's at this point where there are two young men, it says, in dazzling clothes, two angels. And one of them says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Did he not tell you when you were all in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and must be crucified and on the third day rise again? And they heard these words, and they went back to tell the eleven, and the eleven weren't sure what to think about it. And Peter, being Peter, jumped up and ran to the tomb. Now John, we read in John's gospel account, ran ahead of Peter. I'm an older guy, so I'm feeling you, Peter. Younger John probably got there and had to wait. But Peter went in, and he wasn't sure what to think about it. But Jesus appeared to Peter that day. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene that day. Jesus appeared to the people on the road to Emmaus that day. And when they all got together that night behind the doors, it all bore out the story of the women. And then Jesus appeared behind the doors and said, Peace be with you, and breathed on them the Holy Spirit. I tell you, we're always looking for something. And the hard thing about human nature and life in general is that we, we have great expectations like treasure hunters, you know, X marks the spot. Here's where we're going to find the treasure. And our culture says, hey, here's X marks the spot. If you just had this or you could do that or own this or look like this or have this job or be with this person or live in this neighborhood or go to this school your life would be amazing. And you know what we find out. It's really not amazing. And so we have to look for the next. X marks the spot, treasure hunt. And there are so many that all of us have gone on. This is a search that ended with a big nothing, no Jesus in the tomb that turns out to be the greatest something ever and leads to what we've always wanted. You know, all these things and positions and all these things we go after, 
It's not the things themselves. It's what people will think about us with the things or where we live. Or It has to do with acceptance, affirmation. It has to do with power sometimes. But it has kind of to do with love. And the risen Christ lives. And we'll never lose him. And he is the something that will not turn into nothing. You know, Jesus gives us a love that never stops. Sometimes it's we who walk away and go looking for other things. I know I have at different times in my life. I'm sure each of you have. And I've been rather chastened to find, you know what? Just having Christ puts all these other things into perspective. They all have their own meanings, small m, and their own joys, small j. But to have the love that we were meant for of our creator, redeemer God puts those meanings in perspective, which means they get we get their real meaning and gives us that true joy that is living on the inside. So what are you looking for? What are you looking for in your life? Look no further than the resurrection. It is permanent. He's never going away. And he's going to give you everything you need. And it's all about the fact that he's going to be there for the future as well as the present. And one day, all will be resurrection in a new heaven and a new earth. How wonderful it is to stop all this mad treasure hunting and actually find the treasure, sell everything we have, and have that one treasure alone. Welcome to the second segment of the podcast, and I'm here with my great friend and partner in ministry and one of the most gifted pastors I know, Brad Mercer. Brad, welcome to the Sermon Ant Podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, and uh, I remember uh, just observing you at Presbytery uh, before you were here at Highlands. You were at First Presbyterian Church and always thinking, man, I like that guy. And he says really uh, things that make sense on the floor of Presbytery, and I, I could tell that we would get along even then. You went to be a senior pastor up in, um, in Greenwood, and, uh, but we're going to get to all that later um, in the fateful day that we spent together to figure out whether we were compatible. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I think that the folks in the congregation don't all know where you're from and would love, and, and the listening audience would love just to get a feel for, for your young life and take us up to adulthood. <laughs> Um, where I'm from, well, I was uh, uh, born in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I, I was born when my dad was finishing up his doctorate at Dallas Seminary, yeah. and the, I didn't live there for very long after being born. And, uh, Seminary baby. Yeah, and uh, moved to uh, Wheaton, Illinois where dad was a professor of Bible and theology, both at Wheaton and Moody Bible Institute. And I lived uh, there until uh, sixth grade, and then we moved back to Texas after that. So moved back to Texas in sixth grade. This is when hormones start kicking in. And, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, now, were you a believer then, Brad? And, and how did that look? And uh, just tell us about that, that stage of life and heading up into college. 
Yeah, I was I was a believer, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I know that, that some folks have have heard this, but when I got into my mid-teens, what was um, very very life-changing for me was uh, my parents, and I was 16 years old, my parents got a divorce, yeah. and dad, you know, dad was really sharp. He was very gifted. He was a pastor, he was a professor, all of that. So, you know, lots of people go through divorces, but going through a divorce at 16, 17, your dad's in the ministry, uh, he travels and speaks at churches and camps, and uh, there was a point at which we were even uh, going to move to Scotland. He had an offer to be a professor in Scotland. All this is going on, and then suddenly, what? Right. <laughs> what, right. With the, the marriage is falling apart? I'll never forget that family meeting. Hey, we're going to have a family meeting. So for me, it rocked my world in many ways, threw me off in virtually every way. And I had to rethink my faith from the ground up. Okay, what is this all about? What do I believe? What do they believe? And how does this affect the rest of my life going forward? So yeah. it, it, uh, it really did rock my world as it would anybody who's 16 years old. So uh, to those out there that think, hey, you know, divorce, kids are resilient. And you were 16. You know, you weren't 12 and or 8 um, you know, I, I hear people thinking about splitting up, and they say, well, we're just, you know, we're not worried about the kids. Kids are resilient. I mean, people are resilient. I, I get what they're saying, but it was tough, wasn't it? Yes, it was tough. And, and yet, through, I, I was a believer, a believing backslider, you might say, yeah. uh, <laughs> backsliding in all kinds of different directions. Uh, I actually never finished high school. I dropped out of high school, really? said enough of this. I was in a garage band. I do play the guitar. I was in a garage band. Uh, the my, things you learn my, on, the, on the Sermon Ant podcast. My, uh, oh, is this recorded? <laughs> this is recorded. <laughs> um, I grew up in Dallas, and I remember at that time uh, when we had come back from Wheaton, parents were divorced, um, I, I was really into to, to music. If anybody ever wants to talk uh, classic rock, I'm your guy. Uh, everybody came to Dallas, so I spent a lot of time at concerts. I left home, dropped out of high school, spent a lot of time at, at concerts. It's a, I had some amazing experiences there. <laughs> We've talked about this, by the way. Uh, misspent youth. I was not a believer, and uh, they, they tease us around the staff because Brad and I will like say things that come from the, the 70s, 60s, 70s, and, and early 80s uh, in, in terms of lines of, of, um, of popular music. And some of the younger people were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we, yeah, we could, that's a whole podcast right there. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I actually ended up taking the GED and, and getting through high school. And then I went to college, went to University of Texas, majored in history, just mm -hmm. history, not secondary education, history. Mm -hmm. I am a lot like my dad in that sense. People would say, what are you going to do with a history degree? <laughs> and I'd say, keep going to school some more. And I knew I would. So I, I finished my history degree. I started a master's degree in history. And I'm continuing to work through my faith. And I... Are you going to church at this time? Not much, on yeah, and off. Right. On and off. And... Um, I, believe it or not, at University of Texas, I had a, a, a master's level Colonial America class, and I actually asked my professor, Andrew Zarka, I'll never forget, <laughs> great guy, PhD, Ohio State. 
I said, can I read Jonathan Edwards? Can I just read Jonathan Edwards the whole time and write on Jonathan Edwards? He said, sure, do it well, defend your thesis, um, that's fine. So, so I did that, and then I started considering seminary, not, not to, certainly not to be a, a, a professor at a Christian school or a pastor. Right. And so I came over, and I'd recently gotten married to Cindy, and came Wait, over. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Cindy. To, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to Cindy <laughs> um, for sure. But wait a minute. Um, we've got to meet Cindy because I love yeah. y'all's story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, re- replay where did a little I meet bit. Cindy? I met Cindy in, met Cindy in Texas. Um, a- again, born in Dallas, off to Illinois, back to Texas, formative years in Texas. Uh, Cindy comes from this faraway place place that I had heard of, but I'd never been there, called Mississippi, which was a really kind of a mystery to me. And she came to Texas to work in a Christian camp, and that's where we met. Fell in love. Christian camp, yeah. In our teens. Uh, a lot of those I, camp romances, you know, they don't, they don't last. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the middle of all of this struggling that I'm having, uh, I did get hired at a Christian camp, and I'm working with uh, horses, and she's a, a lifeguard. And, uh, and we, we met, and I was actually dating somebody else at the time. Uh-huh. I dated a couple of other people at the time, and we were just friends. We were friends for years after that because we worked at this camp for years, and we had actually talked about, let's not ever date and mess up our friendship. Uh-huh. And then suddenly we realized, why don't we just have a lifelong friendship? You That's know, this right. is very define the relationship. Yeah. DTR talk. Yeah, that was a big yeah. Day. <laughs> and uh, anybody that knows Cindy, once they once people do get to know Cindy, and uh, you know the the typical you know greeting is, "Hey, Brad, where's Cindy?" Yeah, you know she's <laughs> we much, love Cindy. Yeah, yeah, she's a she's a unique person, but I I loved her family. She had a family that was strong and healthy and it was a real blessing to me and um so in the midst of all of this meeting her um in in uh, in texas at the camp and then considering my further studies we came to visit rts because cindy's from here her family's here it'd be a comfortable place for us to be maybe for a couple of years to study at rts mm-hmm. and this is how God's providence works, especially when you, when you look for it. And I was just telling a, a, a class the other night, I was telling this, this story. Very first day at RTS, uh, Willem van Gameren. Well, do I remember him. <laughs> Old Testament class. And this is the first day. Uh, tells everybody in the class. Yahweh. 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 Take a piece of paper. Tell me something about yourself. Write something about yourself on this piece of paper turn it in and then the next day he comes in and he's going through these pieces of paper and looking at each different student along the way oh uh, good to know this about you good to know this about you good to know this about you well I decided to just be honest about my past Mm -hmm. when I wrote this piece of paper to turn Mm -hmm. it in and he looks at me this is now my second day Mm -hmm. at seminary he looks at me and says Brad Mercer (laughs) Your father was my professor at Moody Bible Institute in 1969. Wow. Wow is right. <laughs> and um, after class, I remember going up to him and saying, tell me about my dad. Hmm. And he had had my dad as a, as a student. Uh, his, his wife had sat under my dad's teaching also as a, as a student. And it was wonderful 
it was wonderful to hear more about my dad as a professor and pastor, and it was so affirming my second day at RTS because I'm still I'm a believer, but I'm wrestle I'm still wrestling with things and to know Clicking somebody that, things into peace. And it was like it was like the Lord saying place. you're supposed to be here yeah. right now. Still didn't want to be a pastor, but, yeah. but went through uh, seminary. Then ended up getting uh, all, along the way to like a long long story short. Along the way in my studies, I was at RTS and then at the University of Wales. Uh, love learning and studying. I fell in love with the church along the way, um, and I never expected that, and, and, and love the church, love being a pastor. How long were you in Wales? That took, uh, I didn't have to live there, I had to go back, I had to go back every year. Okay. And that took, oh my, almost four years. Yeah, MPhil, correct? MPhil. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Um, so you love the church, and lo and behold, you get ordained in the church. Yes. In Texas, right? In Texas. East Texas. Yes. Yep. Yep. In, in Texas, North Texas Presbytery, and uh, and then again along along the way, end up coming back to Mississippi and serving at First Presbyterian Church uh, for roughly ten years. Yeah, you're still so. very loved down there. Yeah, well, we, we, Brad and I have so many mutual friends in this town. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful experience, dear friends there. And then, as you mentioned earlier, uh, ended up uh, in in Greenwood as a senior pastor for a for a number of years, and now at Highlands. Well, I remember uh, when Bob Brunson uh, went to uh, become a senior pastor down in Fort Myers, and just beginning to think about uh, rebuilding the team here. I had this thought, would Brad Mercer ever consider doing this and, and reached out and, and there was a couple in our church that had a, a place up near Greenwood, kind of a duck hunting place, but a really nice one. And I said, could we just, can I just borrow that for a whole day? And it was great. Brad and I met at this place and we just had our whiteboard and our, you know, our, 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 our legal pad. And we just started really just talking about our you know, independent of one another, our vision for ministry, uh, what our values were, kind of our likes and dislikes, but just really our passions for ministry. And it's about two-thirds through that day, maybe after lunch, I seem to remember going for a walk or something and, and thinking in, in, my, in my heart, in my head, man, I could, really, I could really enjoy working with Brad. That was a great day for me. Yeah, me too. And, and I remember it started out in the morning and went through lunch and then... I'm not even sure if we planned on meeting we through dinner, on to dinner, but we, we did. did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the time just flew. You know, m- many people have had those experiences. You you just click and you find somebody who has the same interest and you say, "Oh, you too, you yeah. too, you too." Yeah. And it was a very it was energizing. It was energizing and life giving. Uh, that was a special day. Well, and I remember one of the things that was exciting is. Uh, you know, you just one of the things you said is, I want to be at a place with a lot of kingdom potential, and um, you know that I can really buy into what it's like and the values of that place, but also the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And we had a great staff at that time, and mm-hmm. and so quickly, you know, they just really bought into you, and we've been having fun ever since. I sure have, uh, Brad. You're one of the finest partners in ministry that I can ever imagine, and just appreciate you so very much. And you're you are very loved here, along with your wife Cindy, mm-hmm. who is a very interesting personage. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, we're we're sitting 
uh, and and all the walls surrounding us are (laughs) Cindy's art. Yeah, she is a fabulous artist. In fact, I think a part of uh, Highlands is kind of a a, a Cindy Mercer art museum in some ways. (laughs) She is so she is so. on target and uh, consistent with the Lord, but also able to be herself and loves people. Y'all are a tremendous ministry couple. Uh, and then you have children, and you have a truckload of grandkids. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell yeah. the listening audience about all your, your family now. Yes, yeah, so we have um, Hannah, who is married to Scott, and then we have uh, Harrison, who is married to Carissa, and we have six uh, grandchildren, uh, five boys and one girl. Rosemary came along a couple of years ago, and uh, they're all local, so we get to see them on a regular basis. And that's a you know that's a draw also for us to have them here uh, close and a and a great blessing. But also along with uh, the family, I'll have just have to say it: the family that we have on staff here at Highlands yeah. and the family that we have as a church family. Um, this is a it's a it's a healthy place. One of the things we talk about all the time is is trust yeah. and keeping short accounts with one another. We've got to trust one another on staff. The elders have to trust us. We got to trust the deacons, elders, staff members, and then when we get up in front on Sundays, the congregation needs to trust us and we all trust Christ together and it's a it, we're far from perfect. We have issues. But I think we deal with them. Work we're on top them. of them. Yeah. Keep a short short accounts, but it's a it's a healthy staff family. And boy, that that's makes all the difference. It really does. You know, we uh we have those even those phone calls. I had to make one to to Brad not too long ago to say, "Hey man, I, I I'm sorry about something uh if I said something not quite right." And he was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know. But I mean, those and he's done that for, to me as well. That I mean, that's kind of gives you a little bit of a feel of the sensitivity and the maybe how prized that trust is. And when you have that trust, you just you don't, you know, you can just not have concerns about things and give your energies and loves to God and to others and, and really love those people uh, in that trust relationship. It is healthy. It's, yeah. it's and fun. you have to have that kind of environment and those kinds of relationships in order to people in order for people to use their gifts. Yeah. So people feel comfortable using their gifts. They're encouraged to use their gifts. And it's okay if you fail from time to time. You yeah. know, we, we, we need to create an environment where people aren't afraid. They can be creative. They can use their gifts that God has given them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not somehow, you know, put in a little straight jacket, spiritual straight jacket box where they can't step out and try something and be creative and, and trust one another while doing all of that. Yeah, one of the things that we both love about Highlands is even though Highlands has, has really grown and, and we've had to grow the organization together uh, as well as the organism, you know, the relational component, um, we've, we've really, Brad and I, one of our, the things we kind of prize is the ability, even as Highlands has, has grown, to not turn into this ocean liner that you can't turn, you know, and just layers and layers of bureaucracy. You know, I love what you, you said to one of your pastor friends. One of the things I love about Highlands, we can do stuff. I remember you saying that. <laughs> we can simple. do stuff. We can do stuff. So it's kind of speedboat yeah. nimble yeah. and a lot of creativity yeah. here, a lot of uh, opportunity to, to do things. And that's kind of exciting. 
Yeah, and again, we're you know we're far from perfect, but we have we have found Cindy and I have both found that we can be ourselves right. as we seek to serve, and and I'm hoping that that's the way it is for everybody in the church. Um, be yourself, use your gifts, be put in a in a, an environment where you can 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 contribute, but you don't have to be somebody you're not. There's there, you don't have to sort of perform in front of everybody in, in yeah. such a way that's artificial, whether right. you're on staff or whether you're in the congregation, whether you're an officer, there's a genuine family feel at, at this mm. church. And, and again, I'm, you know, that, that's our goal, to bring out the best for Christ with the gifts he's given us for yeah. everybody. You know, uh, a few of the things I love about Brad among many, I, I've told you this, you're a really fine leader, great communicator, um, pastor's heart. I mean, he's really got some some pastoral gifts. But I love the, Brad's a good perspective person as well. I love the perspective that you bring, um, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of laughter on our staff, you know, good we, medicine. it's good medicine. Yeah. And you, you bring a lot of good perspective, uh, to that. And, and we just keep rolling on. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, as we come out of the pandemic, we, I know you've been praying, I've been praying, Lord, are there things that we need to see? We want to be able to, to catch whatever God, you know, wants us to do. And we've been talking and praying a whole lot, but, um, you are so loved and appreciated in Cindy, too, and it's great to be able to get to know you. I know I learned things from this interview today, which that's kind of cool, and I know that people listening learned a bunch of stuff about you. Hmm. Well, speaking of the pandemic, I will say one thing that we have had a number of conversations about. I think one of the reasons why, apart from obviously God's sovereignty and grace and kindness and patience and love with us, is before we went into this pandemic, we have a very healthy group of elders, strong mm -hmm. group of elders, strong group of, of deacons, strong group, uh, group, all of our officers, we've got mature officers. With all that trust among so, them. Oh, and, and then we had a strong staff going into it, and a lot of people... You know, folks have had to kind of scramble mm -hmm. and figure things out and learn how to work together in the midst of all this crazy coronavirus stuff. We already had that. You know, we, we yeah. knew how to work a lot with each was other. In place. We trusted one another. A lot was in place. We could move quickly. We could say something and, 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 and believe it and trust. We had those healthy, working, serving, you know, Christ-like kinds of relationships. Again, we're far from perfect, but we had a, we had a good situation going into the pandemic, mm -hmm. so we were able to make some, I think, good decisions along the way. I think that's right. Um, well, if you've ever observed Brad and I doing ministry together, you can tell we really, really enjoy one another. Brad, I love the partnership and just looking forward to the days ahead. Thank you for being on the Sermon Amp podcast. Thank you. Welcome to segment three, Joseph's pocket full of vision. I am pulling my hand out of my imaginary pocket, and I've got something of encouragement for you, and it has to do with our prayer lives this week. I want to challenge you, maybe it's just for a week, if you haven't done this in a while, to go back to like an old-fashioned prayer list. Just take a piece of paper 
and you can write some of the attributes of God and praise him for his all-knowing, all-powerful, all-love. You might write a thing or two about Christ. You might write something about the church. But then I'd like for you to put some real requests down for people very specifically. Don't just put their name, but put a dash and put it what you're praying for. And um, you might even put a date down uh, the different times that you prayed this week for that. But some of us kind of need to go back to that old-fashioned, let's just kind of stay focused on some things that really need our focus. And uh, I think God really honors that. I also use an app. Uh, There's an app for everything, I guess. And mine's called Prayer Notebook. So uh, I think there's lots of prayer notebook apps. And, you know, that allows you to put your prayer requests. And then when the prayer is answered, you're able to record that and kind of look back. But that's your pocket full of vision. Let's go back to our prayer list. Try it out for a week. It might be very encouraging to you. We know that through Christ, we know that by faith, He is hearing and will answer our prayers.